Hello, Maren. Are you ready to start the recording? Yes, I am all ready to go ahead. EdTech Voice Notes, the podcast of the EdTech Summit. Whenever I think about EdTech, it has to fit in with the school development plan and purposefully in terms of teaching and learning. Otherwise, forget it. It's worth making sure that you've put a strategy in place that works for every school at a level that maybe by themselves they couldn't afford. We've now got millions and millions of children's records sitting with commercial companies. Do you know exactly how they get used? Technology has a role to play in tackling social mobility where it supports great teaching. If we're not able to upskill, retrain and reskill our people in the face of automation, then we do seriously have a problem. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fifth episode of EdTech Voice Notes, the podcast of the EdTech Summit. Each week, we interview leaders and experts on education technology and digital strategies across the education sector. As a common denominator to every episode, we ask our guests to answer one question. How can we bridge the gap between education and technology? The agenda of the EdTech Summit has been carefully curated to answer this important question. But back to today's episode. Here with us is Dr. Maren Deepwell, Chief Executive of the Association for Learning Technology. Maren, would you please tell us a bit more about yourself and your background? Hi, everybody. I'm really delighted to be joining the EdTech Voice Notes and glad to be recording this podcast with you today. Looking forward to taking part in the summit. As Chief Executive of the Association for Learning Technology, I lead the leading independent professional body for learning technology professionals here in the UK. ALT was established in 1993, so we've got a long-standing history of supporting professionals and championing the recognition of the important work that we do using technology for learning, teaching and assessment. As an independent charity, ALT is funded by its members. And amongst the things we do that I'm hoping to talk a little bit about today are including promoting current practice and providing practical resources, as well as publishing the newest research and innovation in the field. We work across all sectors, including schools, further in vocational education, higher education and work-based learning. In previous conversations we had on the podcast with uh, Vicky Liogier and uh, Steve Hope, we talked about the importance of training for staff and educators working in educational institutions. This is a core objective of ALT. Um, You provide an array of resources with this aim, events taking place across the year, papers and videos available on your website. You provide structured training courses, and you've also recently launched Amplify FE, um, a network to connect and amplify communities of practice for digital learning, teaching and assessment in vocational education. Am I right? Yeah, that is right. And I'm looking forward to telling you a little bit more about it because there's a lot of resources that we produce that are openly accessible and free to anyone um, to use. And I hope that some of these might be interesting to our audience. So firstly, talking about some of the events that the association organizes. Most recently, we had um, a summer summit and the theme of the summit was learning technology in times of crisis, care and complexity. I think we can all agree that this year has certainly been one of crisis and our members are very focused as well as on the technical aspect of things to think about care for the well-being of staff and students to really focus in on 
how we can use technology not only efficiently and effectively, but also well to make education more equitable and give better access to everybody. And some of the sessions in the summit really looked at some of the harder questions that maybe we don't find answers to so easily, such as, you know, what we can do about digital inclusion or how to tackle racism and discrimination using technology in education. And some of the other questions we're looking at are around the ethical use of technology, particularly for younger learners or vulnerable learners, but overall really to look at what we can do to ensure that, for instance, the data that learning technology generates is handled ethically, that students are aware of the digital footprint that they are creating while they're learning, and that also staff are able to make informed choices about what technology to use beyond the classroom. Now, we have an online winter conference coming up in December, and we also run weekly webinars and crisis sessions, which we have done since March, which tackle all kinds of topics from copyright and open licensing to scaling up use of technology to finding free and open resources for teaching, training and assessment. One of the projects you mentioned, Amplify FE, is really close to my heart because I've been working in this sector for a long time and I've been part of many really fantastic projects that unfortunately have had um, quite a short time before they were replaced by the next one and it's particularly difficult to build a professional network that's sustainable over a long period of time as these projects come and go and then professionals have a lot of disconnect between the different communities they're involved in. So Amplify FE, which is funded by UFI, the VocTech Trust, is really looking at establishing an overarching network supported by ALT to connect and amplify existing communities of practice. So if you're interested in connecting with other professionals on a range of topics, that would be a good place to start to find out where to go. I think that during these difficult times, the teaching and the education community has come even closer together. So I think a project like Amplify FE would be able to make sure that this community stays together and shares uh, the type of insights and support that they would need to better the system even further. As you said, ALT works across the education sector, uh, discussing education technology and digital strategies across schools, colleges and universities. What are the similarities and the differences that you come across when it comes to digital learning? I think this year there is a lot that all professionals have in common, regardless of which sector they work in, because I think for everyone it has been a huge shift to adjust to working and continuing keeping to support students, keeping institutions running um, while working amidst a global crisis. Even those of us who usually work from home, and I'm lucky that I am one of those people, have never worked from home in lockdown, have never worked from home with partners, kids, homeschooling, um, all these other challenges that we've been facing. So I feel we have certainly in common that we've all been experiencing our own challenges that have made life so difficult. And particularly for professionals working in learning technology who, you know, for better or for worse, have had a mix of 
you know, responses from academic colleagues or institutions previously, some um, maybe more reluctant to adopt technology, some maybe unconvinced, um, they've now had to accelerate and scale up progress at a rate which no one would have wanted to plan for or recommend. We all know educational technology can be amazing and has fantastic potential and we have decades of research and practice of what works and what doesn't work. We know how it's done. But to translate that into um, the great online pivot or indeed emergency provision for every learner everywhere or now to plan for a new term in a couple of weeks or months is absolutely a challenge that you know everybody is struggling with. So I feel this year in particular we have a lot of commonality, we have a lot of challenges that we're sharing and we've seen a um, wonderful spirit of sharing knowledge and helping each other, particularly in community sessions, um, people recording podcasts, STEM, celebrating each other's work, sharing expertise, sharing challenges and also supporting each other's well-being. And I think there's also a lot that we have in common in trying to manage and support different expectations from learners, from parents, from colleagues. Everybody is somewhere on a broad spectrum of digital capability from, you know, their basic digital literacy to having more advanced skill of being able to use technology effectively for learning or for teaching, for assessment. And I think that as well we have in common, that we all serve extremely diverse set of stakeholders and individuals that that definitely all need um, support all of the time. <laughs> so I think there's been generally a huge rise and increase in demand for this type of professional expertise in every sector. Following up on what you just said, the Office for Students released a report on the ability of students to participate in higher education during the lockdown. According to the poll of almost 1,500 students, they said that 71% reported lack of access to a quiet study space, with 22% severely impacted. 56% said they lacked access to appropriate online course materials, with 9% severely impacted. And 18% were impacted by lack of access to a computer, laptop or tablet, with 4% saying uh, they were severely impacted. What's your take on these findings and uh, how do you think the lockdown affected HE and the wider education sector? I think it's a really interesting um, set of statistics and really welcome the Office for Students um, releasing that report. I think I'm also aware that JISC has released its um, student tracker survey um, which has 40,000 responses and I think it would be interesting to see how the two data sets um, a line in terms of their output. And I'm aware that there's also from the Office of Students currently a call out for consultation under the um, Sir Michael Barber review around looking at a digital learning and teaching provision during the initial pandemic crisis, um, to which Aldous is currently collating members' responses and making a response to in the coming weeks. But I think as well as the impact on students, which is, you know, been clearly severe, um, there's also been a strong impact on, on staff, 
and both academic staff, learning technologists and all um, other staff who've, you know, similarly, I think, had impact from lack of access to suitable technology, infrastructure and quiet space for work. So I think there's been some early research into how different student groups and different diversity challenges have been articulated through the pandemic and how different groups amongst learner communities and staff have been affected more severely. Um, but I'm really looking forward to hearing more about what um, what the real impact has been, because I think we, we're still kind of at the tip of the iceberg. That said, I think there are straightforward things that we can start doing straight away to help um, address these challenges. And one of the drivers is, I think, for us to try and remove the stigma of people not necessarily having appropriate technology or access or indeed um, space at home and to really think about online course design with that in mind from the beginning. So one of the things we've seen, for example, is a really more nuanced discussion about whether, for example, synchronous learning that requires video cameras to be switched on could be interspersed with other types of activities that are maybe more collaborative and require less um, access to infrastructure and bandwidth and also require less um, live video um, to be used. And one of the areas I'm particularly keen to see a change in discourse is around um, assessment and proctoring technology, where I think all of these um, issues that you've highlighted from the survey um, really come into play. Do you think that the change we've seen is going to be a permanent change to how we envisage teaching and learning? I mean, expectations from learners, educators and parents might have changed. Uh, will we need a structural reform of the education system or at least more freedom for education leaders and practitioners to adapt their teaching models? I think there's been a permanent change to how we envisage teaching and learning for, for over 20 years, if I'm honest with you. And I think we've um, made a number of structural reforms and there's always more that policymakers should address. I think what's the big shift is in the public perception and also the, the scale of adoption of technology for learning and teaching and assessment that we've seen this year. That has certainly been a departure from the scale at which things have been happening over the last 10 years or more. I feel that learning technology professionals have a really key role to play in helping education leaders and practitioners adapt their teaching models. Because one of the things we have to really be mindful of is that while many of us are just discovering new opportunities, there are experts in the community that, for example, I represent and that hopefully attend the EdTech Summit who really know this stuff, who know how it works. They know strategies for every different um, pedagogical model, for different sizes, for different contexts, for different disciplines, um, for very specialist learning scenarios and we do have the know-how to make this work and um, clearly it's extremely challenging to do that at scale in a very short time and I salute all the learning technology individuals and teams who've been working their socks off over this year and many of whom have worked above and beyond day and night to support learners and staff and their institutions. Um, but we definitely know how to do this. 
and we have the tools, we have the technology. So it is really about the mindset to now not look at the short-term crisis solution and think, oh, that's the best we can do, because we all know it isn't. Um, the media headlines might make you think otherwise, but learning technology is an extremely powerful and potentially also very empowering strategy for both teachers and learners. At the EdTech Summit, you join a panel on pedagogy of education technology. How important is pedagogy in this successful implementation of a digital strategy? It's absolutely a key part of all the work that we do and should always be at the heart of how we design and deliver any type of learning. I think we've seen that over the years with, for example, the highly successful blended learning essentials courses on the FutureLearn platform that we developed um, and provided input to, led by Neil Morris from the University of Leeds and Helen Lorillard from the Institute of Education at UCL. And we've seen that at all levels, regardless of what context you work in, pedagogy is absolutely key and different strategies have to be used to really create engaging and successful learning and teaching. I think I'd really like to see more pedagogy and more imaginative and creative solutions um, which put trust in learners is around assessment. And I think it's one area where through the great move online in education, we have now an opportunity to see a real change happening. And this is where we'd also look to other professional bodies who specialize in assessment such as the Assessment Association or the Federation of Awarding Bodies, to work together with policymakers to look at how we can deliver assessment that's really fit for the kind of pedagogical models that we're now already using. And now the question we've all been waiting for. How can we bridge the gap between education and technology? That's a great question and I'm really looking forward to hearing all the discussions at the summit um, to really help inform our thinking going forward. I feel as a membership organisation, we've been thinking about how to bridge the gap between education and technology um, for, you know, 10, 20, nearly 30 years. And I feel that the, the answer to it is really collaborative professional practice. So much in learning technology is reinventing the wheel when someone discovers a new technology and uses it for the first time and maybe has a bad experience or maybe doesn't feel confident. There's lots of barriers to adoption of innovative tools. And I feel sharing best practice across sectors between institutions and really sharing our know-how, our experiences with learners and different academic colleagues is the key to the most cost-effective and the most efficient implementation, but also enables us to address some of the bigger questions I mentioned earlier in our conversation around making the relationship between technology and education more equitable, more inclusive, and more fair and ethical for all involved. So I'm hoping that we'll see some thinking around those issues at the forthcoming event. I'm definitely looking forward to joining the conversation. Thank you, Marin. It's been great to hear your thoughts and I very much look forward to welcome you to the show next month. Thank you, Alessandro. It's been a pleasure to talk to you and I hope everybody enjoyed the podcast. I'll see you at the EdTech Summit. We have come to the end of this week's episode. 
to hear more from Maren and many other excellent speakers and leaders, do visit edtechsummit.co.uk and register for free to attend our show, taking place online on 18th and 19th of November 2020. I'm Alessandro Bilotta, content lead of the EdTech Summit. Thank you for listening and until next time. 